Romans 9, Romans 12, verse 9, says, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one toward another, and brotherly love and honor preferring one another. I think that's something, a little phrase there that maybe should be more a part of our life than it is. It's honoring others more than yourself, basically, preferring one another. Not slowful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil for evil. And I'll come back to that before I'm finished today. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Praise the Lord. You can be seated today. Everybody's looking for mercy. I've already said that. Everybody's looking for to be forgiven. Uh, but one of the things I want to discuss this morning, that in order for you to be forgiven, you must be willing to forgive. Uh, I read a story, I think I used this story several years ago, and I went back and looked it up and um, added it in my notes this morning. But there was an a, a old Spanish story, a legend maybe, of a gentleman who had lost contact with his son. And he uh, searched high and low for him, couldn't find him. Finally, out of desperation, he went to the local newspaper, and he put a little article in the newspaper, and he said to his son, um, Jose, I don't know what his name was. He said, uh, this is your father. All is forgiven. Uh, come home. Meet me here in front of this newspaper office tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Everything's fine. Everything's forgiven. Meet me here. And the story, as I remember, it said that when he got there the next morning, there were about 800 Jose's there looking to find forgiveness. Every one of them was hoping that their father was the one trying to amend some things. Everybody wants a little bit of mercy. Everybody wants to be forgiven. You know, we do stupid things sometimes. Uh, we, we make choices in life, and those choices have consequences, and sometimes those consequences are not pleasant. And relationships are broken down. Friendships are, are destroyed. And families sometimes are, are fractured because we do stupid things. And when we make bad choices and we make bad decisions and stupid deals or ideas, it's always the first thing that we, I think mostly the first thing we do is we say, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And um, 
Sometimes the person who's offended comes along and says, okay, right off the bat, I offend you. That's the Christian thing to do. I mean, I forgive you. That's the Christian thing to do. And so we hope for that. But many times, and I spoke of offenses last week. I'm not going to speak of that again today. But many times those offenses are so um, hurtful that it's hard for someone to say, I forgive. We always, it's easy for us to say, forgive me. But it's harder to say, I forgive. And uh, today I want to talk to you about saying, I forgive. Say it with me. I forgive. Amen. Uh, so in our, in our text this morning, uh, it said, if, um, Recompense no man evil for evil. In other words, when, when you have been hurt or you have been uh, wounded or injured, uh, it's not wise according to the Scripture to set out to settle the score. It's much wiser to say, I forgive my brother or my sister. Jesus started in his example to prayer uh, for us to pray. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray you. In other words, when you pray, pray like this. Uh, he didn't say this is a prayer that you should quote and it should be all that you pray. He just said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And if I could stop just a moment, this formula for prayer simply teaches us, according to the words of Jesus, that when we pray, the first thing we do is acknowledge Him, our Father, which art in heaven. We acknowledge that He is our supreme God, our King of kings and Lord of lords. And He, second behind that, He said, hallowed be thy name. In other words, we're to acknowledge Him and then we're to worship Him. And there's so much difference between praise and worship. I've dealt with this in the past, but the worship is a totally different thing than praise in my understanding of the terminology. Praise can be done anywhere at any time uh, in the presence of anybody. I can meet you at, at Whataburger for coffee, and I can tell you something the Lord did for me, and we're just praising the Lord about it. Uh, but when I, when I want to worship... I have to go get in the presence of the Lord, and I have to bow myself in humility, and I have to speak directly to God, not about God, but directly to Him. Lord, you blessed me. You took care of me. You healed me, and I love you, and you are holy. That's worship. And so worship is not as easy many times. It's more painful than praise. We can sing songs about the Lord, and we'll, we'll hoop and holler, and we'll jump, and we'll... I get all excited and emotional. Sometimes we'll run around the building praising the Lord. But when we worship, when we truly worship, it's a much more heart-wrenching thing. We worship many times on our face. But Jesus continued his, his example, said, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. That's submission, humility. And then he said, Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, provide for my needs today as you see them. Whatever you think that I need today, you provide for them. We're, we're always projecting off into the future. We're thinking, okay, um, I have college education for the kids. I have um, retirement. I have uh, a roof for the house. And we're always projecting into the future. And I guess that's wise to some extent. But Jesus said, when you pray, you pray, Lord, give me today what I need for the moment. Trusting, living in trust and faith that God will provide for our needs. And then the next example that he gave in his prayer was this. 
and forgive us our debts. And we sometimes stop right there. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, and I prayed this morning when I pray. I, I didn't do anything terribly bad this week, but I always feel such a sense of responsibility to pray when, or to repent when I pray. And so this morning I asked the Lord, Lord, search my heart. If there's any wicked word or wicked idle thought or anything that's in me or any untruth, Lord, forgive me for it today. And we all want that moment when the Lord forgives us. But he tied it together with something else in his example. He said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, those two things are connected. They're not two separate things. They, he, he, he put as, forgive me as I forgive others. In other words, forgive me in the same manner that I forgive others. The Bible says with what measure you use to mete out mercy and judgment, it will be measured back to you again. In other words, you will get what you give. When it comes to forgiveness, mercy, and compassion, you will get exactly what you give. And then we go on and say, lead us not into temptation for thine is, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. But the emphasis I want to give on that this morning is, he said, forgive us as we, just like we forgive others. Can we agree on that? God's forgiveness and mercy to us may be very closely connected to how we treat our brother or sister. If we can't forgive them, then he won't be able to forgive us. And I'll show you that again in the scripture in just a moment. In other words, if you want the mercy of God in your life, you have to show mercy to others. Matthew 6 records, but if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Very plain. If you forgive men their trespasses, if you are merciful, if you are forgiving, if you release them from their shame and their, and their wrongdoing and you forgive them, then the Lord, your heavenly Father, will also forgive you. And then he would follow that up and say, but if you forgive not men of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. You see how those two are hitting? This is the second time Jesus has made this connection. If you forgive your brother, then the Lord will forgive you. If you don't forgive your brother, if you harbor grudges, if you harbor uh, anger and malice towards a brother for something silly, for really for no reason many times, then the Lord's hands are tied. And if you're not forgiving other people's trespasses, then God can't forgive yours. I want to be forgiven. I want to have a clean heart. That's one of the things I pray every time I pray almost. Lord, let me have a clean heart, a clean mind. I want to be able to lift up holy hands to you without wrath or doubting. I, I feel very strongly about that, and, and it's a daily struggle for me. Probably the same for you. It's a daily struggle. I find myself in need of mercy every day, and thankfully, the Scripture teaches us that every morning His mercy is brand new. But if I want the Lord to forgive me, I've got to forgive everybody else. I've got to forgive my brother, my sister, my wife, my children, neighbors. I've got to forgive because that's, those two things are tightly connected. Matthew 18 um, records a conversation between the Lord and Peter. And this is one we use quite often. Peter came to the Lord and I guess Peter must have been like some of us. He'd been dealing with somebody for a while now and he was getting frustrated. 
He was tired of the offense. He was tired of the aggravation. And he came to the Lord and said, Lord, how many times must we forgive in a day? Seven? Well, he asked if you know, seven was enough. He said, should we forgive seven times a day? And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. And that's, of course, that's 490 times. That's a whole lot of forgiving in one day. But there's also times when there's a whole lot of offense. There's a whole lot of problems, a whole lot of troubles. And if you ever had that one person that 490 times a day is just not enough forgiveness for that person because you're going to have to have a few more forgiving moments because they're ones that really get under your skin. They work on your nerve. They give you trouble ever ever thing you do Jesus said if you want to truly forgive you forgive 70 times 490 times a day I don't think Jesus would limit it to 490 times I think his point was you just keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving it never ends because and I said this when I was talking about offenses last week if, if we don't forgive it's only hurting ourselves. It's only causing something to grow in our heart that is not healthy for us. So Jesus said uh, 490 times, and I believe he, the implication was, or more if needed. And I don't want to add words to the, to the Lord, but that's the spirit behind what he said. Uh, not just seven times a day, but if your brother offends you, your brother hurts you, your brother does evil things to you, 70 times seven if necessary. Uh, these following points that I want to give you are uh, areas where we should practice forgiveness to those around us, those that hurt us, those that speak ill of us, and those who treat us unkindly. Um, it's so easy, it's so easy to feel the need to get even. That's the fleshly response to bad situations. If you hurt me, if you do something wrong to me, well, then I will sooner or later find a way to hurt you back. But the scripture says in our text this morning, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, uh, don't... don't uh, don't harbor wrath and don't have thoughts. In other words, get rid of those ideas or thoughts of wrath. And he said, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. If you've been hurt, take it to Jesus. If somebody is, is out to, to cause you pain and discomfort or embarrass you, um, don't, don't settle the score. Just take it to Jesus and, and get that thing out of your heart and, and love them. And I'm going to show you in a minute where it says that we're supposed to love our enemy and we're supposed to help them. And when those things happen, don't get even because you're just going to destroy your soul. You're going to destroy your eternity. So resist, always resist the urge for revenge. And very similar to that, the scripture says, uh, do not return evil for evil. You remember the old saying that says two wrongs don't make a right. Um, that's very, very true. You can't, you can't make something right by doing wrong yourself. You're only going to make the issue bigger. You're only going to create a, a deeper spiritual issue in your heart if you try to make something right by doing wrong yourself. And so... Uh, the scripture teaches us in, in our text that we should not render evil 
for evil. And Proverbs 17 says, Whosoever rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. In other words, if you, if you do evil things and you reward people's kindness or, or any type of behavior for that matter, and you, do it, uh, you give evil response or evil um, thoughts or words or actions, he said, evil shall not ever depart from your house. In other words, uh, and I'll say it again, you're going to get what you give. And if you are unforgiving when someone hurts you, if you are unforgiving and you don't let go of it and put it under the blood, that thing will never leave your house. You will be always be dealing with evil things and, and, and these issues of life. First Peter records that we should not be rendering evil for evil or railing for raving, railing, but contrarywise, we should be giving blessings. Here, Listen to this a minute. You should not render evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, but rather, we should be giving blessing. That's what Jesus was talking about when he says, bless them that despitefully use you. Don't let that thing get in your heart. Don't let that thing become a part of who you are. He said, give blessing in return for evil, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. If I had time, I'd get Brother Josh's notes and I'd go back over to James and I would deal with this verse. He says, let him refrain his tongue from evil. James said, the tongue is the hardest part of your body and your life to conquer. Is anybody warm in here but me? It's warm. Turn the air conditioner on, my goodness. Yeah, I am too. Got it running down my face. James said, the tongue is the hardest part of your being that you'll ever try to conquer. Uh, that's been a, a battle for a lot of us. It's been a battle for me. I'm, I know it has. Um, and I, I have uh, said things in the past, and the minute the words come out of my mouth, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I'd have taken just another moment and carefully considered my words so that I would not say something that would be uh, hurtful. Uh, and, and Peter here says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. James des described the tongue as a, as a fire. He said it, it's like a, the, the rudder on a ship. It's a little bitty thing in comparison to the rest of the boat, but it turns the direction of the boat. It has all the control of where the boat ends up. And he said it's like a fire. It's, it's, a, it's a coal that burns. And, oh, if we could only learn that when we speak, those words actually mean things, and we should be careful that we not return evil with evil. We should always return evil with good. Romans 12 says, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of God. That was our text this morning. Recompense no man evil for evil. When your brother offends you before they even ask 
forgive. I know last week I dealt with offenses. This week I'm dealing with forgiveness. And I don't know why I'm doing this two Sundays in a row, but I felt it on my heart yesterday, and I want, I want to deal with this. Before they ask for forgiveness, forgive. Before they repent, before they ask for mercy, when they finally walk in the door of your home and say, Brother, I did something bad. I did something wrong towards you. I want you You say, Oh, no, I've already forgiven. It's already done. You don't even have to ask as far as I'm concerned. I've already forgiven. It's over with me. Because that's what the Scripture says. Do not recompense evil for, good, or evil, for evil. And um, our text says, don't give anybody, don't give anybody evil when they have done you wrong. Proverbs 18 says, and I use this quite often with my own personal um, studies and thought and meditation and prayer. Proverbs says that a brother offending is harder to be won than a strong city. Can you imagine trying to conquer New York City? We went through a few years ago, 9-11. There was an attempt on that huge city, and they killed 3,000 of our American citizens. And it was such a horrible tragedy that day, and we'll never forget. And, and, we're, and we're remembering that every day as a precaution to future actions. But... Can you imagine trying to destroy the entire city of New York? It would take a nuclear blast. It would take an atomic bomb or a nuclear bomb or something uh, unspeakable like that to destroy the whole city. But the scripture says a brother who's offended is even harder than that to conquer or take. In other words, it's really difficult once we have, once we have mistreated a brother. It's really difficult to bring them back into a close, godly Christian relationships. So be careful uh, how that you are not merciful and forgiving to others. Again, I've already established, Jesus said, if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. It's important that you wish them well. The Bible used words like wish them or give them Godspeed, wish them well, give them blessings. Uh, it doesn't mean hurry up and get out of my house. That mean, all right, I'm done with you going down the road. No, it says, well wishes, Godspeed, Lord, go with you, my brother. That's part of forgiveness. Not only you say you forgive, but you pray for the blessings of the Lord upon them. Godspeed to you, my brother. God's blessings on you. And we say it, we kind of shrink it down to God bless you. But what we're saying is, I'm praying for God to bless you and your family and everything you do. That's a part of forgiving. Wish them well. Wish the blessings of God on you. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is kind of a con the blending of anger and bitterness and resentment, kind of all these things kind of blended together. He said, let all of these things be put away. He mentioned them, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, that all that with malice, all that be put away. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Again, in the book of Ephesians, 
the, the apostle captured the same connection between both ends of the spectrum on forgiveness. And he said, he said, um, forgiving one another just like God forgave us. In other words, you can't have one without the other. Forgive one another the same way that God forgave us. Now I'm cold. Are y'all cold? Turn them down. My goodness. I got sweaty and now I got cold air blowing on me. Can't make me happy, can you? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Be merciful. Put away malice and anger and forgive just like God has forgiven you. I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't for the mercies and the love of God, none of us would be sitting in this room today. I want you to understand that. We're here because he loved us enough. First off, to a long time before we were even alive in this world, he looked forward. He saw each and every one of us. And he knew every sin we'd ever commit. He knew every problem we'd ever have. He knew every time we'd tell a lie or distort something or, or steal something or whatever our sins might have been, he knew everyone. And the Bible says before we were even fashioned in my mother's womb, he took those sins to Calvary. If you go to study Isaiah, it speaks of the Messiah. And it says things like, by his stripes we were healed. Not we are going to be, we can be, or we might be. It was already settled with him. His mercy, his compassion, his healing qualities, those were settled at Calvary. He took our sins. One of my favorite verses said, the charges, the ordinances against us were nailed to his cross. In other words... Before we were even born, He was forgiven us of our sins. Now, that doesn't take away the responsibility that we have to repent. He's already paid the price for our sin, but we still know that uh, we only receive the Holy Ghost after that we have repented of those very sins that He has already died for. Amen. Luke 6 says, But I say unto you which hear, Everybody can hear me, he says. Love your enemies. Now, we're not really supposed to have enemies. You realize that, don't you? But sometimes life just brings circumstances and people into our lives that no matter how hard we might want to try, they're not receptive to a relationship. They're not receptive to a friendship. They're not even receptive to being civil. It might be your next door neighbor with that old ugly dog that you don't like. Or it might be uh, a distant family. It might be anybody. And, and as much as you would like to have a relationship or a friendship, they're not receptive to it. And Jesus said in that sense that you should love your enemies. They're not an enemy because you don't like them. It's an enemy because maybe they won't receive your you or they won't. Uh, befriend you or love you back but he said love them anyway and do good to them which hate you I, I hope we don't have anybody hating us that's terrible yeah. hating us just hates a bad word I mean it's a very vicious word there's a lot of people that I don't want to go on vacation with but that doesn't mean that I hate them means we're just not compatible to vacation together. But I don't hate them at all. Hate's a terrible word. And, and the Lord said in the scripture here, he said, love them that hate you. There will be people that will hate you. Jesus said, you'll be hated of many for my namesake and for no other reason. 
And he said, you're supposed to love them anyway and do good to them when they hate you. He didn't stop there. He said, and bless them that curse you. You ever been cussed out? I wasn't paying attention the other morning here in town, and I nearly ran a stop sign. And Pam screamed, and I got stopped about halfway through the stop sign. And there was a gentleman coming. He didn't have a stop sign. He had to ride away. And you can imagine his reaction. Apparently, he's not a Holy Ghost-filled Christian (laughs) because I couldn't hear the words, but I could read his lips. I could see his hands. And he was not speaking in tongues. He was, he was not in the spirit, maybe a spirit, but not the spirit. And uh, I just stuck my hand up in, in repentance, and he went on by. And about 15 minutes later, I pulled up to another stop sign. And guess who's sitting there? <laughs> I recognized the car. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, I hope he didn't recognize me because he might want to get out. Bible says, bless them that curse you. Amen. Bless them that curse you. If, you. if they just cuss you up one side and down the other, you're supposed to not let that cause you to sin. You say, well, it makes me mad. Okay, be mad, but don't sin. That's, that's Bible too. He says, be angry, but don't sin. You can, you can feel emotions and you can be hurt and you can have disappointments, but that doesn't give you a right to sin. Forgive and let it go because it will just destroy you. So bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give unto every man that asketh of thee, and him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not. Now this smiting on the cheek is a, is a, a test I'm sure of our ability to forgive. You know, you cuss me is one thing, but if you hit me in the nose, that's a different thing right there. And uh, we're we're kind of conditioned to uh, defend ourselves and take care of ourselves. Jesus could have called down the entire angelic host. He could have he could have smote the entire Roman army. He could have destroyed all those who were trying to kill him. He could have he could have smoked Pilate with a bolt of lightning. But the Bible says, and it was spoken of in prophetic words in Isaiah, he was like a sheep before his shears. He Dumb, he opened not his mouth. Not dumb in the sense that he was uneducated or not smart. He kept his mouth shut. And this was a quality that sometimes will get you even more pain. I I remember reading quite a bit uh, years ago about the Holocaust and how many of these millions and millions of Jews and even others who were non-Jews were put in gas chambers. and, And the thing that just amazed me is that there was never any form of resistance that, that I found in history. They, they'd march right up into those catacars and, and they would do what they were told and, and they would be uh, taken out to these gas chambers, Auschwitz and others, and they would walk in line into the gas chamber and no doubt they knew what was happening there after a while anyway. They'd seen others go in there and not come out and yet they just walked in there. You say, well, There was enough of them. There was millions of them. Why couldn't they resist? Because in their religion, in their faith, a principle had been ingrained in them 
If he smites you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. You don't resist. You don't get even. You don't get revenge. Those things are for the Lord. Now, I'm a gun nut. I got them laying by the bed. I carry one most times at church, and and uh, I I have them in the car everywhere I go. And that's all my thinking is. Well, if anybody tries to hurt me or my family, I'm gonna deal with it. And I need to repent because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we should turn the other cheek. That if they steal our cloak, we should give them our coat also. Amen. Romans 12 says, and and our text says, Bless them which persecute you. This is a whole foreign concept to many of us, especially in America where we are very independent. But we are taught in the Scripture, Bless them that persecute you. Bless them and don't curse them. Either in the sense of uh, a vindictive statement, you know, I, I pray that you get chicken pox on the top of your head or, uh, or curse them in the sense that we cuss them out. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Pray a blessing on them. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. Someone hurts you. Someone offends you. Someone's out to get you. It's hard to give a blessing in return for pain. But that's what Jesus taught that we should do. We should bless them when they hurt us. Um, The Scripture also teaches in our text today that when our enemy is hurting, we should not gloat. We should not snicker. We should not get that happy gleam in our eye. We should not have to bite our tongue to keep from saying, I told you so. The scripture says in our text, rejoice with, um, with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. In other words, if they're, if they're hurting, if they're, if they're broken in some way, if they have catastrophe and chaos in their life and they have done you wrong in the past, the scripture says you should mourn with them. You should weep with them. You should join in their pain. Don't gloat over their condition. Don't get excited secretly in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm not going to say nothing, but I sure feel good. right." No, he said you hurt with them that hurt. You weep with them that weep. And pray for their future being and welfare. I know we pray for one another. In, in my prayers, I pray for the families of the church. And I pray certain scriptures like, I want the church family to be blessed in the city and blessed on their jobs and blessed in everything they do. That's kind of a, a rendering, a, a paraphrased verse of scripture. But I'm not sure I pray for people who don't like me as much as I should. I'll be transparent. Sometimes I forget to pray for them. Sometimes their, their name's not on the tip of my tongue. At prayer time, that's only when I'm feeling bad and got a headache and they happen to pass by and I'm thinking ugly things. But the Scripture says we should pray for their welfare and their bless, and blessings upon them. Matthew 5 says, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But... That's, that's kind of the way we live. You love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. 
And so, in other words, and I, I touched on this briefly, when you have that moment where uh, mercy and forgiveness is, is needed to be given to someone else, you should not only just say, okay, I forgive you, but you should say, and I pray for you, and I pray for the blessings of God on your life. I don't want to see you suffer. I don't want to see you get what you have coming. I want the Lord to bless you. It seems uh, harder to do in reality than it does on words, but it's a principle that's woven throughout the entire Bible. Uh, and in addition to praying for them, as much as is possible, you should seek reconciliation for those that you have moments of unmerciful experiences, unkind experiences. You should seek reconciliation as much as is possible. Uh, Matthew 5, 21, I've already read part of this. says, You have heard that I said of them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That's what they said in old times. Jesus said, You've heard in the old time, way back when in the law, that you shall not kill, and if you do kill, you're in danger of judgment. But he said... That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. That changes the whole story right there, doesn't it? You know, in the old days, you had to kill them in order to be in trouble. Now you just got to hate them a little bit and be angry with them and, and, um, and, and be unkind to them. You don't have to take their life. You just have to be angry without cause, and you're in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that's a, a cursing, uh, uh, you know, we would say, put a pox on you, or uh, I curse the day you were born, something like that. Uh, whosoever say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, we've got beyond the hating them, wishing them bad things. Now, Jesus is saying, if you just call them a fool, you're in danger of hell. Do you see how important forgiveness is? This is, it's, it's, uh, it's totally um, has everything to do with us being forgiven and being saved. He said, if you just call him a fool, if you don't hate him, if you don't seek uh, revenge against him, if you don't hope for he gets his or, uh, and you don't fail to bless him, if you just call him a fool, you're in danger of hell. Makes me want to rethink every word that comes out of my mouth. Makes me want to rethink, rethink every relationship that I have. You say, well, are you putting yourself as the example? No, I'm going to tell you, I'm guilty of everything that I've said this morning. I, I'm, I'm guilty of just about everything that uh, the Scripture says. And I pray today, Lord, help me to love my enemy. Help me to have a forgiving spirit because I know I need mercy. And I've already discovered in the Word that I can't get mercy if I don't give mercy. Forgive those are debts, Jesus said, as we forgive the same way that we forgive others. And listen to this. Matthew would continue on recording the words of the Lord. He said, if you even just say he's a fool, call him a fool, you're in danger of hell. Then he would go on. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest, and there, there rememberest that thy brother 
hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, I don't know how to really describe this other than to put it into modern-day vernacular. Uh, you come to church on Sunday morning, you got your tie check in your pocket, uh, you got your, your Bible in your hand, you got your best suit and tie on or your best outfit and your hair is all done pretty, and, and you're ready to really enjoy a good song service and, and you look over across the way and, and you see somebody across the congregation and all of a sudden your spirit changes and you get ugly feeling and, and you say, well, I don't know what they're doing here. I wish to goodness they just, you know, whatever. The scripture says, leave your tithe check right there on the bench and go over there and reconcile yourself to your brother or to your sister. Because many times the offering that we bring to God, either it's in our giving financially or even in our worship, is, is empty and void and useless if we haven't forgiven our brother. If we have ought in our heart against a brother, all the rest of the stuff that we do for God is in vain. Can you imagine Lord, I came to praise you. And the Lord said, I can't hardly hear your praise for your merciless action. Your lack of ability to forgive. Colossians, and I'm, I'm concluding right now. Colossians 3 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering." forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so here it is again, it's, it's tied together. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And then last and not, but not least, when you see someone who has wronged you or you have these moments where you feel that there's a need in your life and heart to, to forgive one last thing don't get even don't wish uh, peril on them bless them and then it says do good to them that despitefully use you yeah i shared with you a week or so back uh, a story of a man who posted on facebook about posted another man's picture said this man was supposed to pay me back Two or three different times and hasn't. The scripture says that we should distribute. And Romans said it today in our, in our text. That we should distribute necessities of saints to those who hurt us. In other words, it might be a kind gesture. Somebody's angry to you. Somebody's unkind to you. It might be a good gesture if you just extend a hand and say, let me help you. Can I show you a moment of kindness? Can we put aside our differences? Can I, can I take you and buy you a cup of coffee? Can I, can I spend a few minutes and let's reconcile and let me distribute to your necessity. If you have a need, let me help. If you're hungry, let me feed you. If you're thirsty, let me give you something to drink. If you need, if you're like the scripture says, if you're naked, let me clothe you. And when you, when you get to that point in the forgiving process, your forgiveness is complete. 
And God then can say, wait a minute, I've got to open wide the doors of heaven. I've got something for you that you've been needing for a while. You've been needing some mercy. You've been needing some blessing. And you have blessed your brother. You have blessed your enemy. You didn't curse them. You prayed for them. You blessed them. You forgave them. Now, I've got a blessing for you. I want that blessing this morning. I want the mercy of God coming down in my life. I want to have a clean heart that loves my brother and my sister, my neighbor in town. I want to have that kind of a clean heart heart anybody here want to join me in that let's stand and have a word of prayer pray for yourself that we are forgiving just as he forgave us lord we want to have a merciful heart we want to have a clean spirit lord we want to love our brother and our sister just like you loved us we want to show mercy just like you showed us mercy lord we thank you for it help us today to be the kind of christians that you want to be with loving spirits that will bless our enemies thank you jesus thank you lord